this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Do you know how sometimes you, uh, you meet people and they just absolutely just sort of blow you away? Well, you know, today um, we have got one of those people on the show. Um, this gentleman's actually been on the show before, um, and and we talk about a book that he's recently put out. Um, the guy is Clive Lloyd. Um, he's a psychologist um, from uh, from Australia, and he he wrote a book, Next Generation Safety Leadership: From Compliance to Care. And this is a short, sharp book, um, absolutely fascinating. And what we're doing today is we're just diving a little bit deep into one of the uh, one of the chapters. It's all about the Stockdale Paradox. I'd like to hand you over to Clive. Clive, thank you ever so much for joining me today for the uh, Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Um, could you just give us a little bit of background about, about who you are? Sure thing, mate. And good to be back. Thanks, Colin. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. Um, so for those who maybe didn't see the first one, uh, yeah, my name's Clive Lloyd, uh, uh, an Australian psychologist who um, specialises in um, helping organisations to um, move towards doing safety better. I was going to say safety differently, but hey, mm-hmm. safety better. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving past, if, if you like, traditional um, rules-bound compliance-based safety, uh, more to creating the sort of climate where our people just intrinsically um, do work well and do work reliably, where they can speak up, they can share errors, they can share mistakes. So a huge focus on, on things like trust, um, building psychological safety through uh, understanding psychology, understanding through human beings, um, and then uh, applying that to, um, to to building those sorts of cultures. That, that's that's a nutshell version, Colin. Yeah, yeah, like you say, a real a real nutshell um, because there's absolutely loads. I mean, there's loads I've learned um, just from listening to you and reading your articles, and uh, you know, just uh, just interacting with you in, on social media and stuff like that. So there's a, a wealth a wealth of knowledge there that it's difficult to cover in a, in a short amount of time. But what I wanted to sure. talk about today was, um, was you know, in the last, uh, you know, in the last sort of six months, you've released an absolutely phenomenal book um, called "The Next Generation of Safety Leadership," and it's, um, it's sort of come out into the into the workplace, and and has and has really, I think, has taken from from what I can see and the people that I've spoken to has taken the health and the health and safety community by storm, because it's a it's a book that. Um, you know that that's 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 nice and succinct. You know, nice, nice and short and sharp and to the point. Um, but the chapters again are, are just very compact. But they've got great summaries, great questions in there, and it's a real book that you can that you can take and you know and apply very very easily into your into your into yourself, but also into your into your workplace. And I and I just wanted to touch on you know there's 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 lots of stuff in the book and, and we'll probably I'll probably come back to you a few times over the next few years to talk about uh, to talk about different bits and pieces, but in um in in one of the chapters towards the end of the book you talk about the Stockdale paradox, and I just wondered if you can just sort of go into that in a little bit of detail for us and really explain you know what that's about. Yeah, well, that's an interesting area that you you picked up on, Colin, and, and towards the end of the book we we've moved past sort of um, 
if you like, we get out of the way in the early chapters, what is wrong with safety, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, in, into what is it we need to do as leaders. And, and by the way, you could take the word safety out of this, frankly. This is, this is just great leadership, I think. And right through the book, we talk about this need to, for, for leaders to bring their teams in, to, to hear more from them. Um, often, uh, and I, I say this, you know, you, your team have the answers. Do you have the questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we don't do that enough, you know. We, we often impose stuff on the teams then expect them to blindly comply. We, we try to force compliance onto them. And, of course, that never works as well as it could if we had, you know, the team owning um, the ideas. And the best way for them to own the ideas is to be part of coming up with them in the first place. Um, the teams, of course, have their own challenges, and we as leaders, of course, um, we need to recognise that, but we also need to be able to help them, um, well, facilitate them working through the challenges. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways I've, I've seen that, that I do use um, to help sort of not just um, work through challenges, but build trust in the meantime, an opportunity for leaders to actually really engage with their teams in problem solving is the Stockdale Paradox. And many of your listeners, I'm sure, will be familiar with with Stockdale Paradox. It comes, of course, from um, the name Admiral James Stockdale. And really, it comes from Jim Collins, who wrote beautiful books like Good to Great and Built to Last. Mm -hmm. And he interviewed um, Admiral James um, Stockdale uh, after the war, after the Vietnam War. And uh, he was talking about the fact that Stockdale was, as Admiral, he was the senior ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton, the, the really brutal prisoner of war camp. And he led his men there in, in brutal circumstances, uh, in particular ways. Um, in other words, he, he didn't pretend everything was okay. There was no denial or pretense. In fact, one of the first questions he asked them when he got there was, tell me what the brutal facts are. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, and they just, obviously, there were many of them. And there was never anything like self-pity or anything like that. Uh, it was just a really, really um, clear approach. But it really helps teams to build a sense of responsibility and ownership. Um, while, again, the, the leader here can, has an opportunity to really hear uh, what is not okay in their own teams without blame, uh, without a need to react uh, or defend, but really hear what the team have in mind. Well, that's when it's done well, Colin. I'll come yeah, back yeah, to yeah. that that point and then um not just tell them the answers not just tell them what they should do but then work with their own crews to actually identify what they can do what they can control what they can't um, what they can influence so but the stockdale paradox to me is what genuine resilience is about and this is another reason i brought it into the book um, high reliability organizations for example um, nuclear aviation well, one of the hallmarks uh, of high reliability is a commitment to resilience, not panicking, mm-hmm. but working through challenges quite systematically. And again, I think the Stockdale paradox is, is a great tool to use for that. This should be any leader, mate, whether it's safety or otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's just a brilliant, brilliant tool. So what it is basically is um, on the one hand, Stockdale said, um, we have our brutal facts. Um, most people will know them, even if they don't voice them. Um, and look, on a, what's a recent one for me, an example, I did the, a, a Stockdale Paradox group uh, with a work team uh, and their leader present. Um, we'd done a bit of trust work to make sure the guys knew they could bring up anything and the leader wasn't going to get defensive about it. One of the things yep. they said was, look, some of, the, some of our contractors we know um, are pretty reluctant to speak up, are pretty reluctant 
to, um, you know, share about incidents even. Um, and I could see the manager, the leader, actually sit up and take notice all of a sudden. Um, so that is a brutal fact in that if, you know, one of your contractors is not reporting incidents, well, we don't get to learn from them and so forth. And so the crew are identifying. We have a, a sheet on the wall, you know, butcher's paper. One of them is. Contractors aren't speaking up. And I, I, you know, we, we, when you're skilled at this process, you just probe a little bit further. All right, so just tell me a bit more about that. Um, are we guessing here or do we know that they have reasons for that? Um, yeah, look, another brutal fact. The reason they don't speak up is they're basically terrified. Mm -hmm. But if they do speak up, they won't be on the job anymore. All right, so tell me, uh, tell me more about that. They, they've got evidence for that. Is that a story they're telling themselves? No, no, they've got evidence for that. Evidence is, Clive, um, you know, somebody did that recently and literally not only that person was taken off the job, but the whole contracting company they worked for were taken off the job. Now, these are pretty brutal facts mm -hmm. right, from a safety perspective, from an organisational culture perspective. And again, you've got the team now getting on a roll. Now, when this is done well by leaders, they just listen. They might just ask for a little bit more information. I always say to the crews, just tell me what is really brutal about this. Tell me the most brutal stuff. Um, then again, the leaders, um, they are brief beforehand. They are trained by me beforehand not to react, not to look grim or angry, but just to listen, mm -hmm. just to hear. And what the crew are learning at the same time is, you know what, it's actually safe to share bad news here. And so what we do, the first part of the Stockdale paradox is identifying the brutal facts, acknowledge them. You don't have to like them, but you cannot change what you acknowledge. I've been saying lately, you can't fix a secret, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let's get it up there. These are our brutal facts. Now, what makes it a paradox, Cole, is that on the other hand, despite the brutal facts, together as a team, we will, uh, we will retain a sureness that we will prevail in the end. You know, we will work through this. And all that meant, all Stockdale meant by that was um, this will not define us. The brutal facts will not define us. We will work out and work through together what we can control and what we can't and what we can actually influence. Now, mm -hmm. this is brilliant, again, for not letting management off the hook in any way, but at the same time by helping crews to actually start taking responsibility for what they could do um, while they're being heard. So that goes a bit like this got the brutal facts up there. Let's have a look first at what we can control. Mm -hmm. And there's a model that I present in the book called, you know, the circle of control, circle of influence, popularized by Covey uh, some time ago. That's a brilliant model too. So the first thing to remember is all we ever get to control in our lives, um, are our thoughts, our feelings, our words, and our actions. Mm -hmm. That's it. So that's our circle of control. Our circle of influence usually comes down to who, who can we influence? Um, you know, and that's usually people that we have access to that we can speak to. doesn't mean people will be influenced, but we have potential to do that. The third and where it gets interesting is what we call that circle of concern. And those are things in life at work um, that we can neither control nor influence, mm -hmm. but may well impact on us, our team and our well-being, and so forth. So first thing I do with the crew is look at your brutal facts. Where does it sit? Does it sit in our circle of control, influence, or concern? In other words, are there things we can control and influence? Most people will respond by initially uh, by saying, no, well, we can't control that. You know, there's nothing there we can control. Um, I doubt there's anything there we can influence. So this is, and then, so we do a whole little process about what we can control, what we can't. 
it ends up, if we can control our thoughts, feelings, words, and actions, well, at least we get to control how we respond to those brutal facts. Okay? We don't have to like them, but we do get to control how we respond. What about influence? Then it starts to get interesting. Um, can team members start to actually influence contractors? Um, not letting management off the hook. Can team members start to influence managers, at least by talking to the, their leader, mm -hmm. giving them feedback in respectful ways? That this, this is a brutal fact and this needs to change. Here's what we think we can control and influence, but this is what we believe you need to be doing so you can influence it. And so this whole process then, management get to hear what's going on, right? Because secrets keep you sick. You can't fix a secret. They get to hear what's going on. They now get to work with their crews to see jointly um, what tools they can use, what they can control, what they can influence and so forth to actually start moving past those challenges. So not only is the Stockdale Paradox a great tool for building resilience, because it always reminds us what we can control and there's, there's always something Colin, that we mm -hmm. can control. At the very least, we control how we respond, we can. Uh, it's problem solving, it's building resilience, but the main reason I tend to use it with teams is because it's a brilliant opportunity to bring the teams in. Mm -hmm. and to hear from them. And the more they learn that they can do that, share bad news without any negative consequence, um, that is the express route or an express route to actually creating a trusting team. And as you would know, throughout the book, that's really one of the big reasons I wrote it. That's the biggest single predictor of a great safety climate mm -hmm. is the level of trust within a team. And this is just one great avenue for, for doing it. Mm -hmm. Now I talked a lot there. Does that all make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. It's, it was really interesting to, to to listen to you there, and and just on the you know on the contract, you know, contractors are, are a, a a particular a particular um, uh, opportunity to 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 do things uh, to do things differently. And I always look, I always I always say, you know, you basically you get the contractors that you deserve because if you don't if you don't um, yes. engage with them in the right way. You know, at the start, you know, you, you, what people forget sometimes is that, you know, the contractors are often going from business to business to business and, and are so are getting, are getting influenced in lots and lots of different ways. And, and if they've just come off of a job where the previous management have, haven't had the, the right approach and they have been, um, you know, sort of you know, criticised, blamed, then they're, they're still going to have that in their minds when they walk through your door. And so, and so, you know, it, it becomes really important that that when you're bringing these people in, that you're—I don't, I don't know whether resetting is the right word—but you're 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 talking to them about about what is it like, what is it like here, you know, and what what do we do here? And I, and yeah. I often don't see those sort of things talked about on inductions, you know, with contractors, you know, you yeah, know, you know what what the induction is 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 you know pretty pretty rubbish really, <laughs> you know, and it um. Yeah. You know, and, and and if it was really talking about about trust and, and openness and honesty, you know, and and the you know and the real sort of values that we've that we've got, then then I think you get a much much different response. You know, and if you've got a contractor waking up in the morning and is actually saying, "Well, we're going to work with these guys today," you know, they they do things in a different way. There, you know, they do things better. Yeah. And I like that safety safety better. I really like that. You know, and it's uh, yeah. Know. Well, I, I I can own that. Sam Goodman, the hop nerd. Yeah, um, yeah. He often uses that phrase. You know, instead yeah. of talking about hop or yeah, you know, he talks a lot about hop. But really, rather than safety differently, you know, just do safety better, right? Yeah. Then we can yeah. lose some of that. that no, but mate, contractors is, is uh, we could do a whole episode or more Good. on mm -hmm. contractors. You know, mm -hmm. I talk a lot in the book about trust. 
And um, I've got time just to share a couple of brief stories with you. Yeah, lovely. Um, on contractors. Um, I was at a site recently and, you know, we start off the session, of course, we've got an attendance sheet on the table that goes around the group they fill it in. And as well as their name, it has their role, their job role. And I had 16 people. Um, I, they, they belong to a particular contracting company. Um, and of the 16 people, 10 of those contractors wrote in the position knuckle dragger. <laughs> right. Right, knuckle dragger. And, I'm, you know, I, I don't let that stuff go, by the way. So we, we, we had our own conversation. Anyway, lunchtime, the contractor manager comes on. This is, this is not a contractor. This is the guy who's managing the contractors. Yep, yep. He's coming to, to see how they're going. And in front of him, he just walks through the door. And he says, so Clive, how are my knuckle draggers going? Mm. You know what I mean? Um, tell me about the relationship there. Tell me about, you know, the old, um, if you like, traditional safety, safety differently. People are the problem versus people are the solution. How can you build trust in relationships when you're referring to your contractors as knuckle draggers? Mm. You've created us and them for a start. You reckon they are going to come to you if they've stuffed something up, if they've made a mistake, if they've got a concern? Of course they won't. And again, you can't fix a secret. Um, and then, you know, if they, if they have an incident um, and they haven't sort of got their JSAs right or anything like that, we're going to hammer them and chuck them off the job. You treat, well, we teach people how to treat us well. Um, you know, and if you treat contractors in that way, they're going to treat you with the contempt you deserve, frankly. Um, now, of course, that is not everywhere. Uh, I've met some brilliant companies who really treat them. They bring their contractors straight away. Mm -hmm. um, the other quick story I wanted to mention was um, a company I was working for who they'd been through the Care Factor program. They knew the importance of language of the words that we use, you know, uh, such as not using the word knuckle dragger or even thinking that for God's sake. But anyway, <laughs> uh, somebody, one of the senior leaders who'd been through the program, he said, Club, I've, I've just been going through the contracts for our contractors who have not been brought on yet. But he said, I've been just been writing the contractors. And as you're talking, he said, I'm, I'm just thinking about the language in the contracts. And of course, he said, would you have a look at them? And, and tell me what you think. And I said, well, sure. Knowing um, that there's very little I can do about this because there are legal issues here. But of course, the traditional contract, uh, they're like this. Essentially, thou shalt language. Yes. You know? yeah. The contractor must, the contractor will, the contractor must, should, have to, um, you know, liable, all that stuff. And he said, you know, when this goes to the contractor, of course, they read it. There is an immediate, before we've even met them, there's this immediate us and them subservient relationship, or what I call a parent-child mm -hmm. um, dynamic. And he's absolutely right. Um, I, I said, look, I can um, actually help you sort of change the language, but it won't work because, um, well, I said, let me try two pages and you tell me what happens. And I actually wrote down what I thought would happen. So anyway, he takes it away, shows it to the legal team. <laughs> and essentially the legal team say to him, just tell Clive to get stuffed. It's just not going to happen, mm. all right, because legally people are covering their backsides and so forth. But the leader was smart enough to know that even though the contracts are written in a certain language, their actual interactions, their actual meetings with contractors didn't have to be that at all. Um, and so they knew they could actually bring the contractors in, hear from them, hear about their concerns, uh, Stockdale Paradox activity. Uh, and just use adult to adult language, you can still have a brilliant trusting relationship between client and contractor. Mm -hmm. And if you do, you'll hear more from them. Mm -hmm. They will speak up. They will report near misses. But as long as you're going with the contractual-based parent-child, uh, more, less, and so forth, um, you're going to get uh, you know, a lot of ongoing challenges. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I really agree with that. And I think there's there's so much, okay, you know, there's there's this legal document, there's this contract there that uh, that will be whatever it will be, but there's so there's so much more that you can do around it. And it's interesting. I was um I was in with a I was in with a really, really amazing client recently. And uh, the senior, the, the, the director of the business, he, he was basically sort of like second generation and uh, a, a young a younger guy, and and he it was a family company, and he had such a or he has got such a beautiful way of engaging with with his employees and with the with the people in the business is absolutely it's absolutely beautiful um and and then i had a read of their health and safety policy and it was yeah. it was such a terrible document compared to how the business yeah. was and i said i said i said why why have you got this this document here that just doesn't re- reflect or doesn't 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 actually portray what you as a business are really about, and uh, and so we're we're doing a lot of work just changing that. And I think I'm I'm just looking at the, the, the Stockdale paradox. Actually, you could actually turn that into a really really nice health and safety policy document. You know, we want to totally. want to know what the issues yeah. are. We want to talk about them, and uh, you know, move yeah. move things forward. You know, and that- yeah. And I mean, that's the thing with the Stockdale paradox, and the only thing we all have to understand: the crews need to understand it, and the leaders need to understand it. When um, you invite your crews in to share bad news, uh, they need to understand that it must not be phrased in personal ways. It's not about personal attacks. They must understand and leaders who are hearing it must understand the feedback is benevolent in nature. In other words, it's there based on we care, so we want to let you know what's going on. And equally, of course, leaders hearing the bad news um, need to not respond in, in negative or defensive ways, but they need to understand this is give, given to them for benevolent reasons, so that we can all learn and grow. Um, in Amy Edmondson's book, The Fearless Organisation, which is another book I always recommend leaders to, to read, uh, she talks about some of the, the modern tech companies and stuff with like Pixar, um, and they embed this sort of act, sort of activity uh, within their, their organisation. It's not a once-off, it's not a hit and this affair. They will bring in their group, and they, I think they call them the Brains Trust, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally the same rules apply. What's going on? What do you think of this? Um, what are the brutal facts, essentially, even if they're not using Stockdale Paradox language, that's essentially what they're doing. Um, and again, that becomes embedded in the company. Now, when I think that's a, just a brilliant thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, embed in your company once a fortnight, once a month, and you don't have to, to, to leave it to an arbitrary group like a brains trust group. Bring your own team in mm-hmm. regularly and do a brutal facts um, activity. That's the first part of Stockdale, and then sit down and work out together what can we control, what can we implement. Um, secrets stop to be a thing, right? Because um, most companies, particularly the ones where they don't have a very good, strong, mature climate, if you will, um, they they keep secrets. The teams keep secrets from management. Um, mm-hmm. I think we all realise this, right? Yeah. Um, the more secrets there are, the less you can fix. Mm-hmm. Um so when we start getting in a role with this and the crews, again, see that there is no punishment here. There's no negative consequence. They actually want to hear this stuff. Um, and we're all better as a result. The, the trust, um, the psychological safety that we we produce, yeah, that's that's reason enough to do it. But, of course, from a safety point of view, it can be crucial. Mm. And what you find is it just it just snowballs. I, I was um I was fortunate enough to run a to run a quarry in um in mid Wales many, many years ago, long time ago, this, and, and we, we managed to really get things snowballing and the, the improvements that were made 
in just right across the business, not just from a health and safety perspective, but right across the business, because we just opened, we just opened our doors and, and, and let people in, you know, or actually we actually went out to them, which was yeah. better. Um, but, um, but, you yeah, know, but, but just, just, you know, just, just, you find so much stuff and there's so many improvements that get made and you, and it just becomes a nicer place to work. And, you know, and you, and you just wonder why people don't want to do it because, because the businesses just get better and better and better, you know? So, yeah, that's right. And look, it can be a little bit confronting for, for leaders who are just not used to operating in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they, it can be also a little confronting for leaders uh, who hear what they consider to be maybe bad news about their own leadership or about their own leadership team. Mm-hmm. But, Again, we're leaders. We need to be better than that. We need yeah. to be a bit more grown up about that. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, if my team have got some challenges with how they're led, I want to know that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want that to be a secret because, again, I can't fix that. But if I know, and I know that my team are giving me this feedback because they just want things to be better, um, yeah, I need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be a little confronting. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Clive, thank you, thank you ever so much. That's a really, really great insight into into that element of your book. And like I say, I think there's a, there's, there's a number of other bits that we can explore, um, like you know, at, at another time. Yeah. Um, but um, um just as we could go through, my friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> how just um just as a sort of, just to finish close out really. So how can um how can people get hold of you and and what have you got yep. what have you got coming up? Tell us a little bit about what's happening in your world. Yeah, um, thanks, Colin. Well, um, I, I guess for people who are on LinkedIn, it's it's pretty quick and easy just to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I do publish a lot on LinkedIn um, and and have a lot of conversation, really good ones. Uh, if people are not, a lot of people I think still think LinkedIn is about um, you know finding a job or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's some brilliant networks on there. I've learned I learn so much every week, Colin, from people like yourself uh, and others who who go on there to talk and get involved. So join me on LinkedIn, absolutely. Um, or go to our website. Our website is um, gistconsulting.com.au. Actually, it's in the background there. Okay. Um, the GIST actually officially stands for Grow Your Safety Thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, more colloquially, it's known in Australia, at least, as Get Your Together. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, so, yeah, just click us an email. Um, so it's gistconsulting.com.au. Happy to respond. Um so what are we doing? At the moment, we're getting busy again in terms of getting out on the road, r- running the Care Factor program for leaders mm-hmm. and teams. Naturally, when COVID hit, uh, we were off the road for a considerable amount of time. Um, we've been in Queensland here where I am. Uh, we've been open for a while, so we've been doing a lot of training around Queensland. But now the borders in Australia are uh, sort of pretty much wide open. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we're catching up, if you like. <laughs> uh, we've got this bag lo- backlog of training to catch up on. So myself and... and most of our facilitators are just flat chat on the road at the moment. We've we learned very quickly to um, run the program virtually um, online through smaller, shorter modules. Mm-hmm. So we're still doing that. Some clients who started off that way, we're still internationally because obviously we can't go overseas. Mm-hmm. So my, my weeks are split up at the moment between running um, virtual sessions um, online and actually getting on planes and going and, and working uh, through the Care Factor program elsewhere. Mm-hmm. No, brilliant, brilliant. Hey, look, well, um, you know, good luck with that, and I hope you uh, hope you catch up uh, catch up soon. But I hope there's also a load more that's coming into the pipe. You know, and that's uh, that's what you want because it's a fantastic message yeah. you're putting out. So, for sure, mate. Nah, fantastic. Thank you ever so much. Thanks very much for having me on, Colin. Appreciate it. No worries at all. Clive, thank you so much for for spending the time um, having a chat with me about um 
about your book. Um, it's just a really, really great read. And I, I love the way that you just talk about, you know, how important it is for people to just sort of see it as it is, you know, and, uh, and you know, let's not, you know, try and sugarcoat it, is, you know, the situation is as it is, and, and let's work our way through it, you know, don't blame, don't react, don't defend, just just take it as it, uh, as you find it, and work your way through it, you know, and uh, I was fortunate enough many years ago, uh, I would say fortunate, but we'd had a serious injury, and, and the HSC turned up, and they said, hey, Colin, let's just work our way through this, and I think that's a really great way to, uh, you know, to, to talk about, you know, what things, whatever the situation is, you know, if it's good, if it's bad, work your way through it. Um, I love that little chat about contractors and, you know, and the, you know, the importance of, uh, of, of treating them as you would, you know, other people within your business, um, you know, and, and treat them as importantly as, as the other people that are working in your business and, you know, and don't have this, this adult-child relationship, have this adult-adult relationship. You know, the, you know, thank you for taking your time. It was lovely uh, having having a chat and, and I really wish you all the best with the, the ongoing uh, um, promotion of your, your um, Care Factor program. And, uh, and good luck with the ongoing sales of the next generation safety leadership. It's definitely a book that, uh, that I will be telling people about and uh, pushing. Um, a little word from our sponsors. Um, thank you ever so much to uh, Project Miletium. Project Miletium is a uh, is a community where people are trying to, um, to grow as individuals. You know, whether you're new to the health and safety profession, um, wanting to join the profession. You've been in the profession for a while and are at a bit of a plateau, not sure what to do, or or you're you're well through your your career and you want to give a little bit back to the community, then please check out www.projectmeeting.com. Okay, thank you very much, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye now. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilised in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Colin Nottage.